You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's message is an audio conversation with John Regeer discussing sexual abuse. This is part four of four. So you suggest, of course, that if we know somebody who's being sexually abused, that the best way to do that is prayer. Are there other ways, or would you suggest that we have them, we pray with them and have them contact you, or are there other steps to take? Well, because of the distance uh, that our offices are to the people, I recommend that other Christians begin using this method uh, of accepting people with what they've experienced, understanding the pain they've experienced and caring about them, um, and then leading them in a prayer once you understand what happened to them. Um, And I have a prayer that uh, we've written out, which anybody that... um, would request it. I'll be glad to send it to you. The prayer goes like this, Lord Jesus, I was damaged by, and we'll put in there, uh, by a neighbor who took advantage of me and touched me inappropriately when I was 12 years of age. I felt violated, used, humiliated, and dirty by the abuse I experienced. Jesus, what did that do to my heart? And we wait for Jesus to prompt a picture of their heart. How does it change my thoughts about myself, about sexuality? Did you see me, me being damaged? How did it make my heart feel to be abused? What did it do to my heart? In each of those questions, we wait and let the Spirit of God respond. Jesus, it's too much for me. Could I give the pain to you? Would you take it from me? Jesus, would you show me what you're going to do with my pain? Could you make my heart clean from the feelings I feel inside? How do you want to do that? I don't want to carry these feelings into a marriage relationship. Do I need to forgive the person that damaged me? And then the next section is basically separating you from the person because if someone, for example, raped you or sexually abused you, those emotional feelings stay with you. And the next session, basic section of the prayer basically separates you and, your, and yourself from that person and disconnects the pain. And then we ask Jesus for a safe place where we can go to be secure. Him. So that's the basic summary of the prayer. And I'm going to say this, this prayer, um, sometimes people are overwhelmed with their own sexual abuse and they can't pray it by themselves and each need a friend to accept them without judging them, to seek to understand what happened, listen to them, and then to care about that and to believe them and then to lead them in a prayer. And that's basically, and I'm really excited because um, we train about 300 people every year to do this model of counseling. And I'm excited because there are women all over the United States who have picked up on this, and they're reaching out to girls in churches and communities that have been damaged and actually help them resolve their pain. In fact, a lady just recently said to me, I've had the privilege of seeing 100 women come to Freedom this last year just because I've taken the time to care about them and pray with them. And you can't believe what that does to excite me that people are actually doing this. Another lady in in Nebraska called me and said, um, I do two cases a week. And she said, I get so excited to watch other girls come to freedom from pain of experience. And she said, I I just love doing it because reward in and of itself to see Jesus heal people's heart and they come to freedom. 
Good. So freedom's out there for you and Jesus if you need him. There's time for another couple questions if you have one. Somebody has one, so go ahead and ask your question to Mr. Regeer. John, excuse me, I have a question, John. Uh, you mentioned the, the prayer uh, for freedom, uh, praying to Jesus for freedom, and uh, how significant is it? I'm assuming uh, you're talking to, to a Christian person that has, been born again has has uh, right. has received the spirit of God. Uh, what what would how would you deal with a situation where a person has not really um, uh, been born again? Okay, that's a good question. Basically, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is a Christian has the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The non-Christian does not have the indwelling Holy Spirit. But both the Christian and the non-Christian have the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. And so when I'm meeting with a non-Christian that's been sexually abused, I would lead them in the same prayer I would lead a Christian in. Um, because what happens is when I lead a person to freedom, they all of a sudden want a relationship with Christ. And usually about the third session, they're asking, how can I have a relationship with Christ? Because you led me in a prayer last session, and I lost almost all my pain with my sexual use. So I actually do it in reverse. Um, I care about people, and I understand their pain. And I lead them to Jesus to heal their pain. And I explain to them that you can go to a counselor who just talks about your pain and it will turn to concrete in about three uh, sessions because you're just talking about your abuse. The method I use is you tell me what happened to you. You describe the emotional pain you experienced. I'm going to believe that and I'm going to help you disconnect that pain. And I'm going to introduce you to a person called Jesus who went to the cross to die for your sins and to pay the penalty for your sins. Not only can he bring salvation and eternal life and a relationship you and the God of the universe, but Jesus can also heal all the pain paths. And when you talk to people like that, at first they don't believe you, and I said, you don't have to believe me, just follow me and let's see what happens. They come back the next session, they say, I came in with a huge load of all this sexual abuse, I left the last session, and it's like someone took a thousand pounds off of me. And I don't feel the same dirty, violated feeling anymore. And it changed my marriage because all of a sudden I could respond to my husband where before I dissociated and got angry with my husband all the time. And she says, you led me in a prayer to Jesus. Can I have a relationship with him? And then I introduce them to Jesus and show them how Jesus can be not only the person that heals their heart emotionally, but he can also be their savior because he died on the cross for their sins and they can have eternal life and have a relationship with him, pray with if they invite him life and recognize that he died on the cross for sin. So I start where people at and usually people come to me with their pain first. And I help them with their pain, and then I introduce them to Jesus uh, as their Savior as well. But I deal with their pain first, because unless they see Jesus helping them with their pain and freeing them from that, they usually don't see a need for Jesus. But once they get freed, all of a sudden they want a relationship with him. Amen. Well, thank you very much. That, that, I like well, that. Good. good. All right, and I had a question, too. You, we talked about a lot about the victim and the importance of them finding freedom. What do we do if there's someone listening that is one inflicting the pain that wants to be free and to stop this sin? How would you advise them? Okay, per the person who's a perpetrator uh, needs to, first of all, um, be understood as well because there's a reason why that person um, is in the cycle of moral failure, and he needs to be 
understood and cared for, just like the person who's a victim. And uh, usually a perpetrator is a person who has an addiction, and that addiction comes from either person who's never loved them, emotional pain or sexual abuse. And when you go and look for that, you almost always find it. It's not difficult if they're honest with you. And then I just appeal to them, would you like to free from... Uh, the cycle you have where you're damaging other people. I'd be glad to help you with that. Um, Like I had one father that sexually abused his stepdaughter. Um, His wife had passed away and then he'd remarried. And uh, he started getting involved sexually with his stepdaughter from her age 9 to 18. And uh, it got exposed and he had a choice of going to jail or coming to see. So he came to see me. And uh, so I led him in a process to understand his emotional damage, understand Uh, his moral failure, and I led him in a prayer to repent of each of the moral failures of his past. And then I helped him resolve his issues with his stepdaughter. And then I put uh, boundaries in place where he could no longer emotionally damage his... either of his daughter, one stepdaughter and one was his daughter of second wife uh, because his first wife died. And um, when he followed that pattern and genuinely repented and apologized to his daughter for abusing her, um, the family came back together and could be a, a whole family again. I just had a question there, John. For someone who may have sexually abused another person in their younger years and let's say 10, 20 years go by, how important is it for the perpetrator to go back to the victim or should they go back and apologize? Would that would that free either one of them up or, or would it be better if, if that person just goes on in life? Well, I think it's important if you violated another person that you go to them and say, I was wrong and... Um, sexually abusing you uh, when you were a child, and I would like to ask your forgiveness for that. Um, You have to understand that there are circumstances where um, you need to talk with someone else because you might have an individual who's married, you know, a wife married a husband, and uh, you may have to go both to the husband and the wife and do it together. I'd like to meet with a person and tell them to talk to me first before you apologize to make sure we don't make a mistake with that. Uh, There's a lot of different uh, scenarios here. Uh, What you don't want to do is if someone has raped a girl and that person comes in the presence of the girl, you want to make sure that someone else is there to control the apology because a lot of people will just say, I was wrong with what I did when you were were a child and I hurt you. That's not an apology. I make them write out the apology and I read it to make sure it's written right. And I always like to start it, I was wrong in, and then define the issue, touching inappropriately, um, pressuring you to have sex, whatever. Um, And I would like to ask your forgiveness um, because I emotionally damaged you and I would be glad to pay for any counseling that you need to resolve that issue in your own heart and I help with that. I think any counselor, any pastor needs to assist uh, individuals that want to apologize and uh, it's probably best if the person has been damaged that you go with them so that that statement is made properly and you can control so the person doesn't get damaged more. You have to understand the apology is going to expose if the girl has never been able to get free from that, it's going to make it worse for her just because you brought up the old issue. Now, if the person has been counseled properly and it resolved the issue, uh, it will be far less a problem. Thank you. You're welcome. 77 people still on the line. Two questions. Go ahead and ask Mr. Regu your question, please. Yeah, I, I've worked with cases like this. Uh, we had one where this uh, married woman was telling us that she had been 
sexually abused by a certain guy. Uh, the procedure was followed to meet with him and confront him with it. But later, uh, we kept working with the situation. After a while, other guys were hitting up on her as a married woman. Finally, a question, you know, there was finally a question came up. Who was doing, and she was saying that she was a victim. Was she really? Was she the one that was, she actually was asking for it? Uh, how, how do you discern? That, that's a good question, and I'm not sure. I mean, it's difficult as a counselor, as a pastor, or a person concerned. We have to try and identify what's happening there. Like, uh, I recently in my office had a case where a girl was dating another guy, and he was breaking up with her, so she went and had sex with another person. And what happened in that situation is she was emotionally struggling, and she needed someone to have sex with her, and so she pressured sex. So sometimes it can be the reverse, where a woman is pressuring a man and actually uh, abuses herself because she has emotional needs that can go in both directions. Um, that's where we need wisdom to pray in God, ask God, please help me to understand. Sometimes you have a woman who's partially responsible, a man who's partially responsible. Uh, sometimes you have a man who's wholly responsible and the girl is a victim. Um, and you have to discern that and try and understand that. I think the biggest problem where a woman would pressure for sex if she was lonely, had a need, and figured out the only way she can get attention is to uh, get a guy to lust after her or to emotionally make herself available for guys to respond to her. And often what happens then is the guy responds uh, because she initiated it and then she attacks him for doing it. And we have to ask the question, okay, for the woman in the, your illustration, did you do anything, need emotional love, where you would pressure the sexual aspect and then said, no, you abused me afterwards? And you have to ask the question and find out what happened. Mm -hmm. And I, I, every case is different, so uh, I like to spend at least 15 hours understanding a case and helping them figure out what actually happened. And you normally, I mean, if you have a girl who had four or five boyfriends and she says, well, I pressured all of them to have sex with me, and then my husband, I felt he sexually abused me, there's a pattern there. And if you ask enough questions, usually you can figure it out what really happened. The, the key there, again, is to ask the woman, if she says, I was sexually abused, did you get love in your childhood? Were, were you covering emotional pain? Did you initiate any of the relationships that went sexual? And sometimes women are the ones who actually initiate the sexual relationship, and then they blame men for having sex with them. Um, and you have to figure that out. And sometimes they have to be honest with you. I often say to people, if you're not open and honest with me, I'm not going to be able to help you. You've got to tell me what happened. And they have to be honest in that. The importance is just understand and care. When I start with a case on Monday, I, I just say to them, I want you to be open and honest. We, I want to help you figure out what happened. I'm not here to judge or to make you look bad. I, I want to help you come to freedom. Mm -hmm. So if you have moral failure and sexual abuse, 
you see, you might have a person with some moral failure, but they could also have been sexually abused. I mean, I've had a lot of people where the father says, don't go to the beach because that's where people are raped. And the daughter goes to the beach, gets raped, okay? Because she disobeyed her, her father, she was in a position of vulnerability. So we have to deal with that disobedience, rebellion, defiance, whatever you want to call it. Then we also have the sexual abuse we have to deal with. So you separate each of those problems out and pray through each one individually. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to do in the case you've defined, because you might have a girl that pressures um, sex to get attention, then the boy takes advantage of her, takes advantage of her, and you've got her moral failure plus his sexual abuse, and mm-hmm. you have to separate, and, and his moral for two. And uh, what we have is prayers to actually lead people to resolve each of those issues. And you have to, as a counselor, as a pastor, separate those issues out so, um, and deal with each one individually. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a tight rope to say to a person, you know, you've been sexually abused, I want to care about that, and then to turn around, did you perpetrate any of the activity that happened were damaged? Um, because sometimes they feel like, you don't believe in that, and that you have to be careful of that. Uh, but you can pretty much tell when they tell you the story. I shouldn't have been on the date with a guy uh, because he's not a Christian. I knew I shouldn't have been there, but I was there. Then I was raped. You know, I needed love, and I wanted attention. And you start putting other people together, and you've got three or four different issues to resolve. But I just, I just take the time and uh, understand the issue and care about the person and uh, say if we need to confess something morally we'll confess it if we need Jesus to heal because it were someone took advantage of us then we do that as well and you can pretty much tell when people have things resolved because emotionally everything changes face and in their heart and a load gets lifted and that's the key all right we'll give the contact information again in a minute so if you need to write down the phone numbers and you can get your paper and pencil ready and we'd like to thank Mr. Regeer again for his time with Caring for the Heart Ministries so if you need his contact information, would you like to give it again, Mr. McGuire? Okay, it's Caring for the Heart Ministries, 3545 American Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80917. The phone number is 719-572-5550. And our email address, caringfortheheart.com. All right, and the Amish Voice Conference line, if you'd like to listen to this conference call again or our previous two, the phone number is 641-715-3800 and the access code 89752. And we'd like to invite you. Thank you for coming to this one and our next one with Mr. Aguirre plans to join us again on Sunday night, July 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern, and he's going to discuss moral addictions you want to just give a brief summary of what that involves, Mr. Regeer? Yes, I'd be glad to. Um, we have a huge problem with people addicted to pornography, homosexuality, um, and different sexual behaviors. And uh, what we're going to in that session is define what causes that and how to actually walk a person through a process to actually resolve that. And I do it in my office each week. I just did it last week uh, again. And uh, people need to be understood, and there is usually an emotional or spiritual cause or sexual abuse cause to why people struggle morally, and I want to help them to resolve that. Um, moral addictions, can't you can free from it, not free from temptation, but free from the constant uh, tug of that moral addiction, and we'll explain how to get rid of those and how to walk in freedom. 
I just want to thank each one of you for taking the time this evening to, to be on this phone line. Um, if you've been sexually abused, I just want to encourage you. There's hope. You don't have to carry that problem. And I, you feel free um, to write or call our office, and we'd be glad to send the three pages of prayers that you could pray to actually resolve the issue in your heart. If, on the other hand, you have a desire to help others, Caring for the Heart is a training program where we actually train people uh, to help others come to freedom. We'd love to help you in any way, uh, help those you know come to freedom or community. We're here because we care about people and we want to see them free uh, from these emotional pain issues that they've experienced. Thank you. Would you like to go ahead and close in prayer? Then? Okay, I'd be glad to. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to spend this time this evening together discussing a very important, difficult issue. And Father, I pray that you would bring healing to anyone on the line this evening that has been sexually abused or emotionally damaged. Uh, by another person in this way. I thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ cares and understands about people's pain, and he can bring healing, and I pray even tonight that he would heal hearts that have been damaged. I pray that you would challenge each of us as believers to care about other people's hearts that have been damaged and to assist them in resolving the issues of, and be challenged tonight to care about those uh, who have struggled uh, for years with these areas of pain. Thank you for your love to and thank you that you care, and thank you that you can heal hearts. We pray your blessing upon each individual that participated in Christ. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.